0: In by on his left foot Let's go. It's sensational.
1: welcome 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 back to the up the Spurs podcast my name is Cooper and today we don't have just one friend with us we have two we've got my good friend Ian Ian how you doing today
2: fantastic that's great that's it that's it just fantastic just one it's been
1: one word great day oh oh now now there's more words that's fine and then we also have a returning guest zach brown zach how are you my friend
0: fantastic <laughs> <laughs> no i'm good i'm good
1: i was gonna say zach is not fantastic because we just found out that his plumbing is absolutely skunked so oh, yeah. yeah that,
0: maybe that part good. is not fantastic
1: yeah, not fantastic.
0: Yeah, we'll say we're I'm okay.
1: He's okay. We have fantastic, okay, and I am just piss poor angry. I don't know why. <laughs> no. Um, on a serious note, before we begin talking about Man City, Fulham, and the transfer window, we here at the Up the Spurs podcast do want to give our condolences to the family of Anton Walks, um, the former... Tottenham Academy graduate passed away sadly in a boating accident, Uh, currently played for Charlotte FC in the MLS, and it was just awful to hear about, Um, so we do send our condolences that way. But uh, we have a few matches that we need to touch on, a defeat at the Etihad against Superpower Man City, a lovely win against Fulham um, that I did not see coming, to be honest, but Let's go back to the Man City match. It feels like a year and a half ago, um, but it it wasn't. Uh, it was kind of uh, an epitome of a Spurs season in ninety minutes. Let's let's talk first half first. Uh, Ian, was there anything from that first half of Man City that you thought, "Wow, this is great"? Something feels good about this? Was there anything that really got you off your seat?
2: I mean, yeah, we were up 2-0 in the first half. I, I can't say that the entire half we necessarily deserve to be up 2-0, but we got there. We made it happen. Um, we saw Larice playing for City in the first half, I think. Was under the disguise of Ederson. But no, I mean... Awesome first half, as long as we can hold City to not scoring, and we were up two, fantastic. But we know that's the most dangerous score in football as well. And if I'm being honest, going into half, I was not confident. I was like, we're up 2-0. It was a very lucky 2-0, we'll say, and Mm -hmm. was nervous for the second half.
1: Yeah, when I saw uh, our good friend Emerson Royale score, I thought... (laughs) it's either going to go really good or really bad
2: yeah, Something we had, in our, in our group chat, we were joking about maybe three minutes before he scored. Cause I, he had another opportunity and we we're like, yeah, Could you imagine if Emerson Royale had scored here. And then minutes later, he heads one in, like, right? I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> and, yeah. and to be fair, not to jump ahead, but to be fair, he's looked better recently.
1: He has he really has
2: that yeah
1: and zach were you confident going into the second half at all 2-0 up or
2: uh yeah yeah i mean
0: maybe I, I um fooled myself into that delusion that tottenham weren't going to be tottenham on the day but there's just always something about playing city that like oddly gives me like a good feeling because we always manage to cheese some sort of result out of them and so for us to never you know, come out in the first half for most of this season to all of a sudden come out of this first half with two goals. I was like, oh, surely, surely there's no way. But Spurs will be Spurs, City will be City. Um, and that's that's all she wrote. Um, I mean, yeah, they haven't been the best this season, but at the end of the day, it's still Manchester City. And if you switch off for even a moment, Um, that's what they'll do. And we switched off and I think then we just kind of let our heads get down or I don't know if the confidence kind of was whisked away a little bit. Um, there were still moments, but it, it just, you could tell that took the wind out of the sails, especially being so early on in like the the second half, it was just immediate. So, um, yeah, I, I was, I was really disappointed. I, uh, I was losing it when Emerson of all players scored, Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was disheartening to see how it, how it turned out, but am I that shocked? Not really.
1: I went out and bought 15 raffle tickets when I saw (laughs) Emerson score and, uh, I, I went over 15. So it was a really depressing day from a financial standpoint, uh, $15 out, but it's fine. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at, where we saw this absolutely fantastic. End to the first half, but if you take away those last five minutes of that first half, we were, I don't want to say we were average, but we just kind of held on and it felt very, very flimsy, I think is the right word. And it seemed like all the luck just kind of oozed out for those few minutes. And then going into that second half, I did not have a good feeling right from the get go. And I think the saddest part about it. Is yeah, they had a great team on the field. It's Man City, Zach, like you were saying, but they didn't even have to play De Bruyne. I don't think De Bruyne even came in the game, and it just it kind of all fell apart. Uh, Ian, did you happen to see the the video of Man City sco- uh, celebrating in the background, going up three two, and Kane just walking by, shaking his yeah,
2: head? yeah, shaking his head in front of it. It was, it was so disheartening. I think where we are now we have a different understanding of Kane's head. But during that time, I mean, we talked about it last episode as well. It felt like Kane was one foot out the door, felt like, okay, this is the last we're seeing of him. He's going to smash this record. And to see that video of him shaking his head, disappointed. Oh, um, um, it was so disheartening. I think before, also before we get into the second half, because it really was a tale of two halves, first half. Want to give flowers to Loris because that save on rico lewis's shot that got Mm -hmm. deflected yeah it was incredible uh and then holland's counter where he ended up making a sliding save and then dunked on him after and kind of slipped and fell that was amazing um i think towards the end of the half we saw the hugo lorisa recent coming out where he went out to dive for ball that was crossed into holland and he missed it completely and holland had an open net he luckily just headed it over but second half just a comedy of errors.
1: Yeah, really was. Uh, Zach, where where do you think we went wrong second half? I know it's a broad question and you can paint it with a broad brush if you want, but where where would you kind of say, if you could pinpoint, I mean, I'm looking at the scoreline, 51st minute, 53rd, 63rd, all within the first, what, 18 minutes of that second half, we were down three, uh, two. Where where do you think it went wrong?
0: I I think it's kind of been the same issue we've been having, all season it it, it's coming down to individual errors there's not too many times that like i see us concede goals that it's like oh man the whole team was like completely off or anything like this it's it comes down to one person messing up the job that they're supposed to do um and you know you can't do that in the premier league um and we saw you know from the The whole culmination, just our entire back line, there was just mistakes kind of riddled throughout it. I mean, we saw that. That's how we gave up um, a lot of those goals. Granted, some of them, you know, were good. Were good efforts by City. But it's the same old story that we have said time and time again. It's just individuals switching off. And uh, like I said, can't do that in this league because especially a team like City even without KDB, we'll make you pay. And and that's that's what it kind of came down to. I mean, we saw it on the reverse end too, you know, City made an error, and that's how we we uh scored our, you know, one of our goals. So it's 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 getting tiresome, but it's the individual errors as opposed to the whole team um that's really biting us in the ass.
1: And I think you can you can kind of look at the benches for both squads. Uh, even even just just at a glance, I can tell you, City's bench was three hundred million pounds. Sure. And looking at our bench, uh, Richarlison, Sess that take it to ninety, Basuma, one hundred ten. Uh, it's about 150, 160 million. And I know that's not the way to judge. A squad off of how much money is invested, but I love Ten Ganga, I love Sar, I love Davinson Sanchez, but they're not. Do you? (laughs) I love the thought of loving those players. (laughs) The
2: concept of Davinson Sanchez is incredible. (laughs) Yes,
1: the concept of a, a an aerial ball winner that. Is just strong, quick, and has and, an
0: amazing dance in his back pocket. I, we've
1: never seen it in a Spurs shirt, and never. I think that is criminal. It's, I, especially, I think after the ninety-six minute winner against Watford, uh, I don't know what the heck that was. Uh, uh,
0: yeah, I think he needs to bring back bring back the uh, the mohawk. I think yeah. that I think that might be what it is. It's the same. I have this weird concept. It's the same with Dyer. Dyer needs to bring back the long hair. Long hair Dyer was where it was at. Yeah. And he, he cut it off, went, went buzz cut, prison cut Dyer. Just hasn't been the same. Long yeah. hair Dyer, those long, beautiful blonde streaks. Oh yeah, that's, it, it lies in the haircut. Absolutely.
1: That's a really good point. I think we need some, if if we really look at the squad, we really need some different hairstyles. In I'm it. sure there is
0: someone out there that could put together a thread of haircuts and performances, because how many times have you seen like a player gets a haircut and their fan base will be like, Oh, he's got a fresh cut. He's ready yeah. for this game. And you just see them drop absolute stinkers. Oh, there has to be some correlation there. I'm, I'm convinced.
1: Just gonna say deli alley like that <sighs> The last season, he was changing his hair every three matches and it was awful. I, I will say I would take Benoit Asuakato and oh. his whatever, Glorious! It was like it was it was like there was a, a starfish the back. in his hair <laughs> that just poofed it up on the back. Oh, I'd take that over Ben Davies and the clean crew cut any day of the week. So it was a it was a terrible end of the match. Uh, it was three two for a majority of it, and then it all kind of uh, was epitomized by a long lay air on a massive punt from Ederson that. Marez kind of latched onto the end and scored. I don't know. It it's it's a difficult one to take. If I'm putting on my Spurs, 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 ah, ah. I love Tottenham hat. It's like, oh man, I would have loved to have win one. We had we had three points in the bag at half, but then the other part's like, well, it's Manchester City. By losing, they make up some ground on Arsenal in the title race. But we're not going to mention that because I know the Ultras will come after us in force. Um, is there any anything else, Ian, Zach, that you want to add about the Man City match or do you want to move on?
2: Yeah, real quick. Just wanted to run through the four goals we conceded in the second half because I'm I've, I've watching them, watching it live and just kind of being like, wow, what happened here? To Zach's point earlier. Just individual errors. So the first goal, Loris came out for the ball, missed it entirely, didn't quite get to it. We had numbers in the box. I think we saw our center back saw Loris coming out and backed off a little bit. And when he doesn't get to it, City's there first. Could attribute that to him. You know, it's a tough one. It's kind of that middle ground. Second goal, uh terrible defending. Perisic was beat so easily. I let's just say Maris was on fire that game too. Absolutely. He was, incredible. It was Lester Mares, but Perisic beats so easily. And then Romero's caught in no man's land because nobody's trapping back. He's got two defenders. Can't decide. They get one. All right, cool, whatever. Um, before the third goal, though, it's 2-2. And Perisic gets a ball, played across to him. Edge of the six. A sure goal. Enrico Lewis sticks a foot out and it deflects out. I had that gone in. I mean, honestly, like, seeing that ball crossed, I got fine vibes. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we love playing against City. We love this late comeback. We love like just grafting it out. And I thought it was going to happen.
1: Yeah. And I, I just want to add in, I, I want you to finish on the goals really quickly. Uh, Rico Lewis has benched Zhao Cancelo for, he's I think he's a fantastic player.
2: Rightfully so. Yeah. He's been incredible for them.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Keep going.
2: Yeah. But third goal, um, Parasic lost out on a cross to Mares. He tried coming way out for it and Mares kind of settled it right at his feet. Um, and then Davies is just absolutely burned by Mares. And then loris gets-
1: L- Lloris is being in near post for the third goal.
2: Near, low, yeah. near post. Yeah. And that's like rule numero uno for keepers is do not get beat at your near post. And yeah, it's like a slight deflection, but still like that can't happen. Yeah, finally, fourth goal, like you just said, long lay with a beautiful assist tomorrow Maras, one on one of the keeper. It's only going one way. So, yeah, just individual errors. Zach, like you said, just breaking them out there. And it's it's kind of the the common culprits we've seen. And as much as we I, I, I hate every week coming in and being like, oh, another Larry Sarah. Oh, another you know, error from our defensive line that should have done better. But it's just the reality of, of what's happening.
1: And part of me is like, I mean, I think Larice has five or six goals leading to errors, like double more than the next in the league. We talked about that on one of the pods. And part of me is thinking that's not sustainable. Like it has to go down, but it's every match we're saying, "Hey, maybe we could still be up two to one." But no, I don't know. Um. Yeah, and moving over to Fulham, likewise, I, I didn't really have any confidence in the squad, especially when, was it was it unchanged or?
0: Yeah, it was, it was an unchanged squad, unchanged. Okay,
1: thank you. Yeah, unchanged from the match against City, and that scared me a little because I wanted to see uh, Doherty uh, start instead of Emerson, but I think I say that every single match. Um, and I, I kind of wanted maybe, I don't know. I think Paris had a really rough end, uh, to that man city match. And I wanted to see Sess get a few minutes again, maybe some redemption. I don't know. And I wanted to see Sun changed out with Richie, but all dreams do not come true. Was there, was there any changes other than those, uh, Zach that you wanted to see?
0: Uh, no, I mean, I really wanted Richie to come in. Um, that was the big one for me. Um, I love son. Son will always, you know, absolutely love him. Um, and this doesn't mean I think he's a bad player. I think he's just in some really bad form and, uh, probably does he deserve that start or at least going into this match? I, I don't think so. Perisic, I, I was kind of, he had a really bad game, really bad game versus city, but you know, he's registered a, a good amount of assists and he's had a lot of really good performances that I was like, okay, you know, if he still plays, I can, I can, I can forgive that because of um, some decent performances throughout the season. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I really wanted to see uh Doherty start. Um, I know Emerson had, you know, scored a goal versus city um, overall was, was Okay versus city. Um, some, some argued, you know, maybe our our, one of our better players in that first half. Um, but I still just think for the system we're trying to play, I, I just, I think if you can select Matt Doherty um, or Spence, Hey, um, you do, but, uh, yeah, it seems Emerson's kind of back in the limelight at least right now. Um, but Richie was the main one that I was, I was really missing out on.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I really thought, especially I think there was rumors coming out that Son was injured or didn't train or something along those lines. And I really wanted to see uh, Richie from the start, but it obviously did not happen. I, I think, too, because that's a really good point about Spence. He's kind of disappeared for a little bit. I hope, I really hope he gets a start against Preston, but I have a feeling it's not, we're going to go full strength. Uh, from the start. And I, I almost wonder if he gets a lone move, especially if some of our targets come in at right wing back, uh, which we will talk about later. Uh, hopefully he can get out so he can get some minutes. And I think Southampton was looking at him or, uh, Brentford, I think was another club that was in maybe palace even, but the, the full match it, it was all right. Ready for this. It was a Mourinho masterclass in defending and taking chances when presented. I got 35 minutes into the match and I thought, what the hell am I watching? This is really poor. It felt very slow, lethargic. We didn't have the ball that much. And lo and behold, Harold Kane, uh, Harold Edward Kane, MBE, apologies. Pops up with a lovely strike from none other than a Sun assist. And that takes Kane equal with uh, Jimmy Greaves uh, for the record at Spurs for most matches. He did it on his 300th match. It's his eighth goal in seven matches against Fulham. And here's my favorite stat. That is uh, Kane is second on most Premier League goals from outside the penalty area uh, since his debut. Uh, the other players have 25 and 23. I will give each of you a guess to guess the other two players uh, at one and three. Ian, would you like to guess first?
2: So so you're saying first place is at 25? Yes, Kane's, Kane's at 24,
1: 24 and then second's at 23, 23, or third's at 23.
2: God, first and third.
1: You can get oh. one guess. I want you each to have a guess. 20?
2: I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think who, who Since has... His-
1: since his debut, 2012, August.
2: So you're saying from 2012 onwards, there's Correct. been those two. Okay. Pardon me wants to say KDB, but I don't think he's. Is that your guess? I'll, I'll put him as third KDB. I don't think it's it.
1: KDB but... is first. Congratulations.
2: Hey, all right.
1: Nice. And Zach, do you have a guess on third? Was uh, was that your guess? Uh, yeah,
0: because I, I know <laughs> I know KDB just hit some rockets at yeah. at, at times. Um, if I'm trying to think who else, I, I'm not sure. I'm not. Yeah, I know. Give us, it, give m- us a hint here. Q. Yeah,
1: 23 is also his number, or was his number?
0: Is Ericsson?
1: Christian Erickson. Oh,
0: okay. I won't. Okay. I won't
1: lie. When I did I, not.
0: I, I did not. I did no. not see. I, I mean, I know he's. He scored quite a few goals, but and he hit, definitely hit some bangers. Um, but
1: hmm. kind of crazy. I, I I think when I, when I saw that stat originally, I was shocked to not see like Ward Prowse in the mix somehow. Um, but I, I realized he's two years, three years younger than Kane. I think he's twenty seven or something like that. But yeah, Kane's now second uh, with twenty four. Um, fantastic goal, lovely take, very. Very Kane-esque where it was a minimal chance and he just popped it right in. Uh, I was really happy to see that because it mostly meant I wasn't going to have to wonder where the goal was going to come from. It felt like we already had it. But leading up to that, there was a lovely uh, challenge from Sun on uh, Kenny Tete from Fulham. And it looked as if Sun came down. Do you both know uh, the moment I'm talking about?
2: Yeah stamped on them
1: yeah in your opinion was did it look worse in slow-mo was it a red what, what... always
2: i think it always looks worse in slow-mo it's one of those that like in real time in the game that's not something that like th- it's not something you do on purpose like that how quickly it happened was son just going for the ball and last second getting it away and it just happens to be so when you see it in slow-mo you're like oh it's intentional look at like how he stepped on him it's like no no no. he just was going for the ball and happened to miss it and that's unfortunate it very easily could have been read a hundred percent but i will say as well i think paulina not getting sent off before for his challenge on play is what saved him because paulina i mean he should have been sent off Later in the game as well for his challenge on King, but that first one on Hoiberg was just way late, way worse. Yeah, that
1: sticking on the sun uh, challenge, Zach. Did you think red, yellow?
2: Um, no,
0: I mean, like you said, it. Sorry, I kind of spilled shit all over my iPad. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, sticky on that. Yeah, I, uh, I thought it was yellow. I mean as you said, everything looks worse in slow-mo and I think it would have been so incredibly harsh to give son a red for that. And like you said, that, that Pelinia challenge was just, he was so like, he knew he was not going to get to that ball. It was like, there was plenty of time of a delay that, uh, that, that he wasn't going to get there and he still went through with the challenge. Yeah. And, and that was the thing that bothered me. It's like, how, are, how, like, how was this not being looked at more severely? I, I mean, I don't know. VAR might've looked at it. I think they probably did, but oh, man, I don't know. It was bad.
1: When, when I was watching it on the replay, I, I, I saw him like come and take Hoiberg out and I was like, Oh my, what the hell? <laughs> it
0: and looked then, like he targeted him. In, in know, my mind, intentionally. I'm
1: thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking oh, he slipped. He had to have slipped for it to have been that late. And then. Watching watching the replay, it was like, past it, two, three, bang. Like, that's, I, I can't even exaggerate. That's not even, that's accurate. Like, it was so late. It's like when you play, like, FIFA with your mate, and you just absolutely deck him one of the <laughs> times. It's like, ah, ha ah. ha. But I think even before, I think we worked the ball up the field, like, three or four more passes, and then I think Perisic kicked it out the commentators had already said and var already taken a look at that it's clean and then they showed the replay and i think the thing that gets me is he was never spoke about again no one mentioned it until the pond pa- paulina should have been second yellow for kind of i kane kind of embellishes it a little bit for me but he still goes in like he came in sideways yeah but
2: like the thing that bothered me with that one on kane because like yeah can and it, and yeah like it wasn't the worst challenge in the world but both his feet were together and sideways and kind of jumped at it it's like that's not that's not a natural tackle that's not right. something you like it's not you're reaching for the ball it's you're coming in to have a hard challenge and you miss and that's yeah. that's a tough one but I do want to say as well I think part of what bothered me about Pallene's challenge on Hoiberg as well is you could tell the next 15-20 minutes of the game Hoiberg was Feeling it. He mm-hmm. missed simple passes. He would, he was just off of it, like completely, like mental state. He would made simple errors, and then he was just running around. Like he would press when nobody else was pressing. And then it's just Bentinker alone in midfield.
1: And that's all down to that injury. That has nothing yeah. to do with his ability whatsoever. It's yeah. all down to that injury and that fall he took. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Yeah, he misplaced like so many passes and I thought he's got to have a concussion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is brutal. Um, no, I was, I was a little worried. Uh, I, I think I'm always worried. And I always used to have this feeling whenever I would play, but if one of our better players like got taken out or misplaced multiple passes in a row, I would think, Oh, it's not going to be a good game. And Benson Kerr, had a few mm. dribbles where he just kind of got like suffocated and lost the ball. And I thought I don't have a good feeling just cause it's Ben's and It feels like he can work himself out of anything. Um, yeah, no, we, we had some really good chances to kill it off in the end. I think Lloris made some fantastic saves. He, he was great. I will say for me, um, I, I don't want to get into man of the match yet. Uh, I, I don't want to overboard you all, but Zach, is there, is there anything else a part of that game that kind of left you, uh, feeling confident about the rest of the season or, or were you still a little worried?
0: Well, I, I especially think with the, I mean, the game itself, let's be honest, it wasn't too g- great, it, you know, um, but we got the job done. But I think tying that in, looking at that game, looking how we approached it, I do think the players put in a lot of effort. Um, even if the technical aspect wasn't necessarily there, I do think it looked like they were working hard um, or at least kind of harder than what we might have seen. And facing that also with some of Conte's like, post-match and some of Kane's post-match comments about how they all together had a team, had a discussion and like, Hey, this is going to be a big reset for us. Um, we're, you know, we're going to start from not start from ground zero, but we're going to get back to the things that, that made us successful and, and reset all of this and getting a result like that. And it just kind of felt like maybe it was the start of some sort of reset because. For all of the negativity that was there last week after the Man City game, I mean, there was talk of Conte going, of Kane going. Uh, You know, you saw, like we mentioned earlier, you saw Kane just like shaking his head at the City squad, like, you know, wishing, oh, I could have been a part of that. Um, And then just just overall with, you know, the transfer window, not much was happening. Um, Getting a positive result against a team who we – really needed it against because i think if they would have got the three points they would have went over top of us yes um so we needed those points it was it was a must win and we went out and did it and it just kind of feels like maybe we've kind of got a clean slate now to to build off of again saying that though our next premier league game (laughs) again city so that's going to put that resolve to the test but um Overall, it, it it felt like the brush, breath of fresh air that we desperately needed, especially after past results.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think February is going to be a tough month <clears throat> for fixtures. We have uh, Man City at home, away to Leicester, away to AC Milan in the Champions League. Yes, we are still in it. Home to West Ham and home to Chelsea. And those feel like a few really, really nitty-gritty tough matches. But the Fulham match epitomizes for me getting over the hump when we really needed it and Fulham are nothing to shake your head out are I think they're sitting seventh right now, equal on points with Brighton, although Brighton does have two matches in hand and they've, I think they drew Liverpool. They've taken down some really good teams. So I, I was really happy to walk out of there, especially with a clean sheet. It felt very Mourinho-esque as I might say. Last thing I do want to mention about the Fulham match is the away fans from a American supporter. We're all clapping right now on video. Uh, as an American supporter, it felt amazing to be able to hear "We want Levy out, we want Levy out." Antonio Conte, Antonio, Antonio, and uh, Harry Kane is one of our own. Just hearing that echoing for like the first fifteen minutes was incredible, and I, I think. In some places in England, they censored out the uh, levy-out chance. I've never heard of them doing that before. Uh, in the States, they actually did not dub it out, but they dubbed over it uh, with uh, whopper-whopper, junior-whopper, triple-whopper, double-chicken-whopper. And that was a little annoying to hear, but we got past that. Uh, that was a joke for anyone that thinks I am being serious, but... Lads, anything else on the Fulham match, or uh, can we move on?
2: One thing, real quick, I did want to add. Kane had a Jordan flu game. wasn't announced until after, but Kane was sick going into this game, and Conte gave him all the praise after as well, saying like he knew what this game meant and we all the all the team talks that were going into this game and everything that was on the line. He stepped up, and yeah, like. Top to bottom was it his greatest game ever? No, but he still scored an incredible goal and put in a shit for somebody who was ultimately sick coming into it. Um also wanted to give a shout out to Romero and his war with Mitrovic. I don't know if you guys saw, especially towards like this towards the middle to end of the second half before Mitrovic went off injured. It was just every time there was something there, they were going at it and Romero was winning. So love to see that. Finally, I want to give a shout out to Benton Kerr massively because we see it time and time again. He is so good, man. He is who we need. Him and Deki are who we need to build around for the future. Yes, we still have Kane and Son here. We'll get into what's happening with them. But, you know, whether they're here or not, Benton Kerr and Decky are the future. And I wanted to throw a question out to you guys. Zach, I'll start with you. Let's say next season we move to a mid to three in the mid. Would you rather see Bensonker playing as kind of he does now, you know, six, eight, box to box, somewhat defensive, somewhat attacking? Or would you rather see him at a 10 as an attacking midfielder?
0: Um, I think the world of Benson Uh, I love him. He's he. Gives us that revitalization that we so desperately have been missed since he's been injured. Really attractive, said, that
1: too. Sorry, <laughs> he's a good looking guy.
0: Yeah, he is. He is a good looking guy. Uh, <laughs> that, that caught me out. guard. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you're, you're good. Um, I still think I'd kind of, I know he's got that ability. I think I'd still rather him kind of stick to the position that he's kind of in um, in that six to eight and just get a dedicated 10. If that was something we were to do, because, I mean, we've mentioned him already. Can you imagine having Erickson back in this team? Uh, I mean, you know, there's because the thing is without Benton Kurt in that midfield, it just feels like there's nothing that comes from our midfield creatively. Pierre has the ability, but it's on select given days. There's certain days he just wants to pop up and and he'll score a goal. And it's like, oh my God, I didn't know you could do that. Um, but then there's also a lot of times he just passes backwards or sideways. And I get it, you know, rotating and keeping the possession is important. But it looked but Bentonker is just more progressive. And God, we we've missed that. But I I, I do think if we were to to flip to a three man um, I'd rather, I'd rather just get an out and out 10. If we had to do a three man with the players that we have, then yeah, I'd like to see him probably in the more advanced role um, with maybe Basuma playing more like that box to boxy um, type. Um, Cause I think he's, I think Bentaker could definitely do the, do the job, but I still think an
2: out and out 10 would be,
0: if we were yeah. to go to that would be, would be preferred.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like your point there. I think like he's that player that, can drive out from the back. But Coop, I want to get your opinion on it. And then I have one very quick follow-up question that I think you'll really enjoy.
1: Lovely. I think you should stay as an eight and maybe Basuma becomes that six. I I don't know who else it would be. Um, I'm thinking with the thought that either Conte stays and he goes to a, a three, five, two, or mm-hmm. he leaves, and we bring in a project manager, and we go to three in the midfield, like a four-three-three. Have Basuma sit deep, Bentenker, and I don't know, Tengi and Dombale at the other center mid.
2: I, you know, you stole the question. You stole oh, what I was thinking out my mouth. I'm Could sorry. you? I just wanted to, just for a quick second, like let's say, let's say Hojbjerg Basuma trade off on that six roll, and we play like a four-three-three. Could you imagine Benson Curran and Dombele playing next to each other? Let's 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 just assume that Dombele has worked on his work ethic a little bit and he can actually like defend a bit. But could you imagine Benson Curran and Dombele playing next to each other?
1: That'd be pretty beautiful. I I would love it to death. Uh I still think there's a player there. I don't think it's at Spurs. I if Napoli want to chuck 30 million our way, sounds For great. Sure. And if I had it my way and let's say we don't go big on a center back. We need to go big on at least one or two center backs, bring in uh SMS and have Benton Kerr and him uh, in the midfield together. I think that'd be absolutely insane. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I'd love, I'd love for him to be back, but I don't think it's going to be possible.
2: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> to, be, to be honest.
0: I, oh God. I, Tongi's natural <laughs> ability is just superb. Um and trust me, when he was here, I was giving him all the benefit of the doubt because of just that sheer amount of ability. But to be honest, I, I'd almost rather have Argentinian version of Lacelso, Celso, you know, the, the La Celso that turns up for Argentina, because uh, yeah. I think he, he's just a more effective player. I think Tongi would kind of not be the Benton Kerr role, but like he can progress it from deep or deeper Whereas Geo, at least again, Argent—I have to make it so clear—Argentinian version of Geo is is better at that little link-up attacking play and, and 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 the final third. Um, but I think both of their futures are are done here, sadly. And um, who knows, Geo might be make weight for another deal that looks like it might be happening if we were to make that permanent in the summer.
1: Yes. Yes, what a fantastic lead-in! You like uh, I, that? You like right, that? That was that was really good. I'm the host. Stop it! Uh, I'm joking. Um, I did want to add because Erickson, that was a really good point. I I don't see why we didn't bring him back. He's on 150,000 pounds a week, according to Spotrac, and that would put him, oh my god, right below Romero, and right above Longley who is apparently on 145,000 pounds. Oh, God, that's... I know. I I feel... Depressing. Indigestion, just from saying that out loud. Also, Parasich is on 180,000 a week, which, eh, that's fine. Yeah, sure. You also need Uh, to pay
0: a transfer fee for him, so, like, you know, eh, whatever.
1: Very good point. I I will say Lucas is on 90 a week, so that'll be nice to uh, potentially see the back of him. I I like him a lot. He did a lot of great things, but it's time to go. (laughs) Listen, here here at the up the Spurs podcast, we try to have fun uh, talking about some very depressing topics of Tottenham Hotspur. So give us the benefit of the doubt. Let's move in to kind of the meat of this podcast episode. Uh, The the Fulham match and the Man City matches were the pre-dinner salad, the appetizers, maybe some oysters. And this is your, is your short rib with uh, a parsnip puree. It's mm. the transfer window, my friends. I had that the other night, and oh my gosh, it's really good. Uh, we've got some news. So I'm going to start with something we already kind of know is done. Uh, the hijacking of Dan Juma from Villarreal on loan, which the hijacking on loan sounds a little weird, but he was done and dusted at Everton. Medical was done. He had done the media. He had shaken other players' hands. It was funny to look back at some of the receipts from Everton accounts being like, he's going to take us back. Like, we're fine. And Dan Juma's like, I'm going to do my best. He It's like, Proven, he's said all this, and then twenty four hours later, uh, we get the "Here we go" from Fabrizio Rama saying Dan Juma is coming to Spurs on loan, and I, I don't know. uh he's great. I, no, I'm not going to say anything. Zach, thoughts on Dan Juma?
0: I first of first of all, I want to pour one out for for Everton fans. <clears throat> they are going through it. I have, I have nothing against Everton, um, you know, good old Timmy Howard, you know, uh, put it in a good old American. Donovan
1: too, baby. There. Donovan yeah. on loan. Never forget.
0: <laughs> um, I I just want to say, I feel so bad because we've had this happen to us, you know, the, exactly. Um, I saw the, like you were saying, the one, there was a one Everton supporter and I don't know if this screenshot is true or not, but I'm going to take it as such. And he quite literally messaged Dan Juma on Instagram and said, welcome to Everton lad. We need you to give everything for these next 18 games. (laughs) And Dan Juma replies, my brother, I'll play in the blue with all my pride and honor up the fucking toffees. And, and I just, you can't, you can't write this. It's, he was in there, shook players' hands. I think he was supposed to go to training or something. Like, there was a few documents that needed signed. And he was going to go to, like, training either today or the next day. Um, and here we are. Now, while Fabrizio Romano has given it the here-we-go stamp of approval, he did give the here-we-go for Dan Juma to Everton. So until he is holding that shirt... And it's officially announced. Who knows? Chelsea, signing everyone, might come in and hijack him from our hijack. Who knows? But that being said, it does look like it's happening. And uh, I'm, I he's a good player. Is he going to set the world on fire? Probably not. But who knows? You never know what a, a new change of club could do. Um, I just think rather they're incredible players or not, I think especially coming off that Fulham result after Conte and the whole squad was like, Hey, this is going to be our big reset. They, you add players to that, regardless of their ability, I think it just freshens the squad and just gives them more confidence going forward. And so I think it's great to see, I think, um, he's a much better bench option than, um, well, Lucas isn't one because he's always injured. Um, and Brian Hill obviously doesn't have the full trust of Conte, even though he's put in some good performances. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I Am I over the moon? No, but um, yeah, I think he'll be a good player for us. And again, feel bad for Everton that a player who would have been an absolute starter um, and pot- potentially save them from relegation
1: has come to sit
0: on our bench uh it's 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 almost like we're inadvertently relegating them by by doing this deal
1: the here we go from Fabrizio Romano was four days ago so Zach you're a very respectable person I don't care Everton get in the mud you you hired Lampard up the Spurs the Spurs eat it Cobra Kai Dojo coming at you. Biach. Okay. Then Dan Juma, 34 matches uh, played, I believe, last season. 16 goals, 4 assists. I think he also had, was it 6 goals in the uh, Champions League? Led Villarreal to the semis, which is an incredible feat. Uh, Ian, do you know much about Dan Juma?
2: You know, when we signed him, I went, Cool. Like, I remember him at Bournemouth. I remember, like, seeing glimpses of him in the Champions League for Villarreal. And, like, I've been hearing a lot about him. But to be honest, I didn't, like, know the full extent of him. Went to good old YouTube and watched some highlight reels. And, of course, you can't judge a player off of that because Ndombele. But um, just based off of what I've seen in those highlight reels, he is a saucier Steven Bergwijn. And that's saying something. I think Steven Bergman used. he was he was great, great winger, used a lot of pace, used a lot of strength. Dan Juma loves to use a bit of skill as well, and he loves a one-on-one. And mm-hmm. if he can beat that player, he has had so many mags. His feet move so fast. And I think he's a desperately needed attacking option. If we look at the fuller match, we had a total of nine, Players on the bench. One of them was Fraser Forster. Seven of them were defensive players, five defenders across the back, and then two center defensive mid, leaving one Richarlison. We have one attacking option coming off the bench. Two if you count Brian Heal. Three if you count Alfie Devine. Now, this is a player that we need. I think he he can he comes in to play some role. He's a left winger who can shift in as kind of like a makeshift striker does all of that. I'm excited to see what he's going to do here. Um, More importantly, we play Everton on April 1st. I just looked that up. That is going to be incredibly hostile. And I hope Richarlison starts as well to Um, our victory,
1: Richie and Dan Juma.
2: Could you imagine Dan Juma Kane and Richardson starting in that match? Incredible. But I did see, I did see something that I wanted to, uh, Wanted to read out here Daniel Levy's master plan. Don't know if you saw this. Oh God! Buy Everton's main source of goals with Charlison. Steal his replacement Danjuma. Watch Everton get relegated. Get Pickford on the cheap. Revenge for not getting a fee for Delhi. Up the Spurs.
1: There we go. Up the five, Spurs, baby.
2: Five D chess. Chess. <laughs> five, five D by, chess.
0: By uh by Mr. Daniel.
1: Yeah. I personally, I don't even want Pickford. Uh. I, he's a good player. I'd rather have a few more options other than him, but Hey, we're playing the long con. I I love it. Um, no, I'm excited about Dan Juma. I think he gives us something that we don't have in a, a one-on-one specialist. I was a little kind of like, ah, you know, I'd rather have a Kulizevsky backup uh, because Richie can play on the left, but you know what? I don't really care. Uh, we're adding attacking options to the squad, And it feels really, really good. I think there are a few others that we really need to sort out ASAP. And one of those is Pedro Poro, who I feel like he's that girl next door that I've talked about since third grade. And he just, he's never coming over. But just the other night, I was looking out my window and there was a Pedro Poro standing there with a sign saying, hey, I might be there. I might come over tomorrow. And so we don't know, but
0: Taylor Swift music video esque.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the reference. I appreciate it. Uh, You belong with me. What a, exactly. What a good app.
0: Yeah. We should tweet that at Poro.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll tell you what you take the lead and I might retweet it. (laughs) No, Pedro Poro, the saga drags on. Apparently he really wants to join. We just can't, I don't know, agree on the structure of payments, Uh, It all seemed like we didn't really know what was happening. Uh, Potentially, if if you're listening to this on uh, Wednesday, apparently a meeting has already happened. We're recording this Tuesday night. So a meeting is happening tomorrow for us. And apparently that's the last meeting to decide if he leaves uh, sporting and moves to Spurs. We just don't know. And, in the last few hours before we started recording, a few Ian, what would you say? Unreliable narrators.
2: Yeah, suspect sources.
1: (laughs) Suspect sources said that the deal was done. Uh, Nico Shira is one of them. I hate that fucking guy with the most passion. I hate him so much, and I don't know why he doesn't done, he hasn't done anything to me personally. But someone that I feel, and I say this every transfer window. Don't believe ITK in the no accounts. They know nothing. Uh, Prem Insider is the stupidest account ever waiting for Alistair Gold to tweet something and gets it out 10 seconds later. Don't believe him. I don't care whatsoever. Paul O'Keefe is the only in the no esque account that I will ever believe. Uh, has never told a lie. Really always tells it like it is. He was asked about the source saying, Pedro was done and asking if there was any truth with it. Paul O'Keefe said, patience. We are now as close as we've ever been some minor details to sort, but Tottenham are increasingly confident. They'll get their update tomorrow. And that was a few hours ago. Ian asked me after one of the pods, if I think it will get done uh, a few weeks ago. And I said, no, I don't think it'll get done. I don't think we'll pay the release clause. Personally. I don't think he's worth the release clause. I think he's, worth around 30, 35. To be honest, he hasn't done it in the prem yet. And I think that's a massive thing. He doesn't really feel like a Conte signing. So I don't know, but I think it's going to get over the line. I really feel like we're going to get him in. He's going to start taking off. And in a few years, he'll go back to city for 60 million or something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. That's the depressing side of me, but I really feel like it's gonna get done. Fabrizio said multiple times, he wants to come to Tottenham. I feel like we're gonna get this over the line. And hopefully a player goes the opposite direction. Hopefully it's Lucas Mora. Uh potentially Emerson and he goes out on a high after what I might say a a man of the match performance against Fulham. Um I don't know. I'm I'm really excited about this guy. I think he's going to add so much to our squad, and I think he's just something we need to get over the line, and we need to get it over the line a week ago. But, I don't know. Ian, Zach, is there anything you want to add about Pedro Porro? I kind of just vacuumed most of the facts up right there.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, as far as the player, he seems incredible going forward. Defensively, I mean, I think there will, there will be questions, especially in the prem. Don't know enough about him. The thing that I think excites me the most is imagining him and Destiny Udogi next season. Just from what we've seen of Adogi in at Udinese for the last year or two, like he looks a player and he looks an aggressive attacking player that Conte is going to love. So I think if if Poro is the right wing back version of Dogi, like we've all been hearing, that's exciting. And to be honest, at this point, I'm willing to give any right wing back a chance. I would love to see Spence get some time, but we know that's not going to happen. Like I said earlier, I would love to see him go on loan. But I did, Zach. I don't know if you had anything more to add to Poro, but um, did want to throw a question out there so you can follow it up with that, and Coop will come back to you. But if Poro doesn't happen, and let's say we have to wait till the summer. And just for for you know sanity's sake, let's say we're sticking with this formation. We obviously don't know what's going to happen. We're sticking with this formation, we don't get Poro. Who would you like to see at right wing back? Us bringing somebody in.
0: Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, the thing is, there's not many other like realistic targets that we've been linked with. I mean, Dumfries was linked um, for quite a while. Um, his name's been thrown around quite a bit um but to be honest I'm not overly sold on him either um I think he's okay in moments but I just don't think he's the outright attacking force that we need um to be honest I'd almost if we didn't get Horo I'm sure there's other options out there but like Maybe, maybe hey, okay, we don't focus on a right wing back, we get in a center back, you know, instead use those funds on a on a different position that's equally in need. Um I just think I mean Conte sees these players more than we do, but I just think Spence is your he's right there, man. Use him because what we have seen of him, he, he's been so he's okay, hasn't been so good, but like he looks like that sort of player. Um, And I just think between him and Doherty, I think that's enough to do the job, um, at least for now. Um, But I just, I really hope Poro gets over the line. Um, While he might not be the best defensively, I'd rather have a player who can outright attack and just cause absolute mayhem for opposition. And we can work on his defense. You know, we can have someone like Pierre who, whenever he bombs up, just kind of fills into that slot or drops into there or something. We can make it work. Um, but yeah, I, I I am quietly hopeful that it works out and we get him because other than him, I don't know if I'd want to spend money on another right wing back at this time. That is currently available and on the market. I'm sure by the time summer rolls around, there would be plenty more options. Um, but right now, it's hard to see anything else.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Coop, what about you? Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm kind of a line. Uh, <clears throat> I, I will say there are a few options that I would consider if we are unable to get Pedro Porro. Uh, I think Frimpong from Leverkusen. Uh, would be a good shout. Uh, Riddle back who from Wolfsburg uh, two right wing back options who I think would be great. Very quick, very, very solid defensively. And I, I feel like they would just add another element to our team. If you look at Doherty and Emerson, nothing against them, but that's not even a top top 10, like right back squad. And so it feels a little uh, lackluster in that sense. I, I feel like there's a lot we could do. Um, Once again, I don't know if we'll do it. I mean, Tyreek Lamptey from Brighton. Like, that's another shout if his hamstrings don't snap in half. Uh, Serginio Dest, if we really want to go the American route and go yeehaw, Cowboys. But I I don't know. It feels like if we don't get Poro, we'll have wasted so much time on him. Like, literally 25 days. Um, yeah.
2: And all the the energy that's been around it. Like, if, if we don't get Poro, it's going to be a sad story and it's going to be another depressing Tottenham spell. But I did want to throw one name in the hat. It's not anybody that's like in the contract or looking to move or whatever. But one player that I've mentioned before that I personally love because he started as a center mid up until maybe two or three seasons ago. He's playing as a center mid and I think would fit in very well. And he's young is Maddie Cash.
1: After what he did to Doherty, I will not have that (laughs) Polish (laughs) bastard.
2: I know. I know it's a tough one to swallow, but I think his playmaking ability as a right wing back or just as a right back in general, I think he's only 24 or something like that. He's got like an insanely positive attitude. Come in, work hard. Again, he's got the technical ability. So then it's just working on, you know, getting him fit into the squad properly. But I, I do like your point, Zach, though, about let's if, if we don't get Poro, for the love of God, give Spence a chance and Doherty and yes. we'll 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 get rid of Emerson. We know that Tengenga's probably gone, even though he plays center back mostly now. But yeah, we I think it, right wing back's a tough one to swallow if we don't get, but we desperately need a center back to center backs more so.
1: I think that Matty Cash shout is it's all right. I, I kind of like it. I kind of don't. Um
2: yeah, it's it's not it's not groundbreaking. It's not no, like we're bringing yeah, yeah. in this superstar and somebody's going to be insane. But it's like he's a player who will come in, do a shift, and and kind of like a Hoyberg, where like a lot of the stuff they do, you probably won't see. Yeah. But it's that kind of how it affects the team as a whole and the the, the momentum of the match.
1: His last, he, he extended his contract seven months ago until twenty twenty seven. So I don't tough one. Yeah, I think it'd be very very tough. Uh, I'm
0: also I'm also I. Kind of a, a Dougherty fanboy. And so, <laughs> yeah, I kind of want Cash's head on a spike because he, ru- <laughs> he ruined my boy.
2: Um, that was brutal. Yeah. That was
1: brutal. Um, well, speaking of center backs, I don't think we're going to get one in January. No. But he, here's the
0: center backs, none so, of them.
1: <laughs> here's the most ironic part of all of this. What does Daniel Levy love? Daniel loves a bargain. He loves a deal where he can get someone worth sixty million, and I both—I know both of you know where I'm going with this. Someone he can get for sixty million, or or someone that he can get for like thirty million for sixty, and really just pocket that money and maybe sell a few years later. But I don't understand how Tottenham have not already offered Inter Milan thirty, even forty million. For Milan Skriniar, he's one of the best center backs in the world. He absolutely revolutionizes our defense, uh, takes Dyer out, pop him right in the middle. And that's like a plug and play, especially with Conte. He's got six months left on his contract. PSG have just said he's not our priority. We'll grab him in the summer if he's there. I, I am I crazy?
2: No. Daniel Levy is crazy. Are you kidding me? That is, that it's under our noses. Like, and I'm pretty sure Conte loves Scrignara too, and was like one of those players last summer that was like, oh, maybe we can get him for like 70 mil. That'd be great. Hey, if he's there for 30 mil, hell, get both him and Devry for combined 45, 50 mil.
1: Well, Devry actually, has six months left on his contract yeah. too.
2: They're they're both. Go- I don't understand why we don't pick one of them up. Screenear definitely is like is the the much better option. He's younger. He's he's a better player. Yeah, I don't know. I it, give me the sticks. It's so easy. Yeah, doing a career mode, you know. But
0: mm-hmm. the only thing I will say, and I I would love us to sign Screenear. Not trying to play devil's advocate here. Um, he is primarily a right center back, um, and I think where we're really Crying out for is more so center and or left, Um, but regardless, I think for a player of his quality to be available as as cheap as he is, that doesn't matter. You you make something work, Um, and and pick him up. Especially because PSG don't, who were like super interested with him in the summer, um, I believe, um, don't seem to be making a move
2: for him. No. I'll I'll jump in here and say as well that Romero at Atalanta did play at center center back in a back three. So worst case, we bring Scriniar in and just move Romero back, which I think would be so fun to see because at right center back, you, you've got to, I guess, stay a bit more grounded and be aware of what's happening at wing back where we push him forward and know that we could get caught out. And yeah, he joins the attack from time to time, but I think that like center, center back is the player that can step up and like challenge a striker that can move with them into the midfield knowing that they've got support and just think the thought of Romero being even more aggressive in his defensive ability is absolutely terrifying in the best of ways.
1: Yeah. I If it comes down to... <clears throat> having to figure out where to play Romero and Scriniar on the same, like, back three or back five. Oh my gosh. Like, I'd take that. Yeah, I'd take that issue any day of the week. It, it I, I, I don't know. Like, I'd play, I'd play Romero at left center back. I feel like he's good enough. And Scriniar right in dire through the middle. I, I don't know. I, I think we've called out for, an elite center back for so long. And I don't know, I don't think we're ever going to get one, but if there's ever a time, Daniel, now's the time. But if I'm Daniel and this is the last, last like bulk I wanted to chat about, because there's no other rumors kind of left in uh, the mill so far. Conte doesn't seem like he's going to sign the contract. For a little bit, uh, Kane apparently now wants to stay, according to Ornstein, which is crazy. I don't know what the hell that guy's drinking, but sure, uh, stick around for a little bit longer. We're all crazy together. Uh, if we go down, we go down together. And if if Conte somehow makes it to the summer and signs a new contract, I. I got to think he's only signing that contract if he's promised and don't take these names for gospel Bastoni coming in um, a whole not rebuild because there's not much like I'm hesitant to say rebuild because I think that scares away Conte Uh, revamp get out like oh my gosh like there's so many players that can go especially in that back line and you just pop in Scriniar, Bastoni, Devry, like that's three players that changes the the direction of this team kind of moving forward. But but my question to the both of you is do we think Conte is going to stick around in the summer? I know it's a loaded question because we don't know how the rest of the season's going to end up. Um but first off let's let's keep it at that. Do we think Conte sticks around uh, for, for for the next year, Zach? Do you wanna do you wanna kick it off?
0: Um, I might be kind of going against the grain here, but I, I think so. Um, I'm I'm not quietly confident because obviously there's been stories in the media and everything, but we also kind of saw this before when we were having some really bad form and maybe the transfer window wasn't going our way. Um, I remember like around January. Uh, of last year there were all these stories as well um that Conte was going to walk um especially after that Burnley game um but I don't know his post-match a lot of people especially and it's and it's very easy to get caught up into it um kind of forcibly read between the lines of everything that like people say and all along I don't know has kind of talked like, hey, this is a this is a project. We've started to do something, blah, blah, blah. And now granted, he also hasn't helped his own case because he's very non-committal, but he'll, but then again, he'll say long-term stuff. Um, so it's very flip-floppy. But I don't know, with his comments after the game against Fulham, um, it sounded good. He said he was really proud to be the Tottenham manager. Um I don't know. You can only take so much of people at their word, but I don't know. Um, The biggest thing I think is if Kane does sign a new deal, I think that's very promising for Conte. Um, And someone correct me if I'm wrong. And maybe, maybe I am. I thought, didn't we have an option to extend Conte's contract? Is it something that had to be agreed on by both parties? Is that what it was? But I, I could have swore that I saw Paul O'Keefe at some point say, "No, no, no, it's Tottenham's option to extend."
1: I think maybe I'm wrong. I, I originally thought that they both had to agree, but that wouldn't make sense. So Tottenham does have a 12 month extension, but if they extend the 12 months, Conte is like, "All right, deuces, I'm out." Like,
0: yeah. Fair, fair enough. I just, cause everyone's talking about, oh, his contract runs out and it's like, we do have that option. um, I, Which I'd have to double check to make sure that that's, that's the case. But um I don't know. I, I think if things go well here in the rest of January, we get some decent targets in, you know, maybe we don't get everyone that he wanted. And earlier we said, he would want reassurances of Bastoni. I, I hope that's not the case because I saw reports that Bastoni's um, going to possibly renew his intercontract. So, um, but I, I know what you mean that that sort of ilk of player. Um, I don't know. I, it's hard to tell right now. Conte's had a lot of personal and family issues. So I think it's just overall, it's been a hard season for him. Um, the, the performance is on top of that. I'm sure haven't helped, um, but at the end of the day, all I can really do is take his word for it. Well, I—that's I, hard to say. I don't know. I just have a feeling that we're going to work out something. Kane's going to stay. Conte's going to stay. I'm an optimist. I'm being stupid. I don't care. Let me let me dream.
1: So Zach's the optimist. Ian, I know you've we we've spoken a little bit about what you envision. Uh, over the next year or so where where are you kind of standing
2: I think there's there's two sides of this for me is one personally what do I believe is right for Tottenham and how I would love to see us play again um and that's not with Conte I don't think he's the right one who that is you know is up for debate but um you know i That that's one side, but that's not the question at hand. The question at hand is: Do we think he's going to re-sign and stick around for another season? Zach, you touched on it there. The last what three or four months, he's had three close friends die. His family lives in Italy; they're not in England with him, so he's away from his family, going through all of this. He's a a manager. He's a status manager. He's used to being in big clubs who give him the full backing, and they're already you know winning or close to winning and he just helps them get there. Um, and he's playing and he's managing a club. That's not quite that. So there's been so much that has gone on in his life outside of it. Like he, you nailed it on the head, Zach of like, it depends on how I honestly I think it depends on how February goes. February is such a huge month with the, the matches that we have, not just in quantity, but the the teams that we're playing. Um, and, it it's one of those that I could see the end of the season coming last game gets played and he just sits down and just is like, I can't, I can't do this again. Like I can't go through this. I just went through the worst year of my life. I need, I need to just go, I need to go back to Italy. I need to be with my family. I need to not do this again. The other side of it is like we're saying, if Kane signs that contract, and he sticks around what he said over the weekend, like literally just the words that he said over the weekend changed my entire out view on like what's happening here. Because he said, I want to help Kane. And it's like, Oh, we know he's been talking so much about like the state of Tottenham and what needs to happen. And so if he does stay, it's gotta be a decent finish to the season where reforms look enough. Kane signs a new contract and he's, I'm not going to say is given the full backing of what like go spend 400 million in the summer, but at least the opportunity to clean house, to do what, to do what Arteta did. Like as much as I hate looking at Arsenal is the, the reference point for this, take losses on players that do not fit. Who cares if we lose, you know, if, if Dombele goes for 30 million, yeah, we paid 70 million, but he's not the right fit here. At this point, take the losses, clean the house. And if it really is his prerogative to stick around and help Kane and Tottenham do something they've never done before, he's got to have the freedom to just sell whoever and use those funds to buy. Because, Kuby, you said it earlier, we have so much money in players that don't want to be here, we don't want here, and need to go, frankly, for their careers. I mean, look at our center back situation as well. Like, there's so much work that needs to be done. So, to the question, is he going to sign a contract? I wish I could just not write the fence and say it depends, but truly like it depends because it's so weighted on both ends.
1: Good answer. Exactly. I also, I also have
0: um, just to cut in right here. I also wonder how much of it um, kind of revolves around Paratici's future. I mean, that's really still up in the air. We know how well they work together. If Haritichi does get indicted and, and, um, or does get, um, fully, it gets fully enforced throughout Europe, his, uh, two and a half year ban. What do we do? Do we bring in another director of football? Is that going to be someone that Conte gets along with like, all these questions, I, I I just think there's a lot of questions that need answered before the end of the season, um, that will that will get answered, um, but again, to kind of be fence righty, yeah, I, I it it will it will depend.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with uh, Paratigi. uh It sounds like, according to Dan KP, it's going to the final verdict will be in March, so. I don't know. Get some deals over the line and jet, but I I think that's a that's a great point. I you know part of me is like if Conte leaves, I I think Kane saying like he well we haven't heard it from Kane. We've only heard it through Ornstein. But if if Kane is willing to stay and Conte is kind of wrapping up his contract, and let's say Conte does leave and Kane does stick around, I'm not. I'm not super worried about the potential of managers that could come in. I think there are so many really high quality managers that are around, like Deserby from Brighton. Like we could eat. I don't want to say we could easily get him, but that's a great shout right there. Uh, Pastakoglu from Celtic, who I think is the coolest manager in the entire world, and I, I would love to have him at Spurs. There's our good old friend Pochettino, who. It feels like in the next five years, he'll be back at Spurs somehow, some way. Graham Potter, like Gallardo, there's there's five right there that I think. Amarim from Sporting, that's six. That could really make a difference at Spurs, play front foot attacking football. It, they're all possible. They're all really doable uh, hires. It just depends on the future of Conte. And I think we'll know that in six months. I think the biggest thing, though, is if Conte's gone at the end of six months, we need to know what direction we head in prior to, uh, what would it be, June 9th is when the window would open, right? Something like that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And if we know Conte's not going to stay, we bring in a manager before then, and we hit the ground running day one, get the philosophy and tactics embedded. If Conte does stick around, the board has to spend if there's been a lot of protesting going around. There was fans at the, at the training facility uh, the other day and massive respect to, I think there was about 40 of them there. And that might not sound like a lot, but driving up to Enfield and it's difficult to get up there to the training facility. And I've got a lot of respect for the people that take time out of their day to voice their opinion. And if you are on the, spurs twitterverse and you're sliding them my opinion just my opinion cooper it's shame on you people are trying to hear make their voices be heard and like if you want levy out and you're not going to do anything about it you're part of the problem and i i just think for conte to stick around we have got to do something different than what we have been doing for the past seven years You've got a world-class striker in Kane. You've got a very good player in Son. I can't call him world-class anymore. Uh, you, you've got so much raw talent in this team, great players, and their potential is falling flat right now. Just whatever, I, I don't care if it's Mourinho, Conte, Gallardo, Postacoglu, Deserbi. whatever manager you bring in, you need to back them. And you need to back them from day one. And if they fail, you get them out in 18 months, but maybe not 18 months, sorry, 36 months. Let them fail three seasons in a row. Us fans would be happy to go in a direction for a considerable amount of time rather than the serial winner route and watch us fail every single six months and debate on do we gonna have, are we gonna have this manager at the end of the season? Uh, do players really want to stick around? Are they going to sign new contracts? We just kind of want some stability. And I think that's what this club needs.
2: Good question off the back of that. And Zach, I think you and I, I think from what I've seen is we're going to, we're going to be on opposite ends of this, but we'll, we'll come to that in a second. Cooper, who, in your opinion, let's say Conte's gone. Who do you bring in?
1: Uh, like any, like realistic,
2: Like, like, I mean, from all the options that are out there or open to moving or, you know, that let's, I, I would say realistic, because at this point, like we have attracted some fantastic managers. Obviously it's not going to be like, let's bring in Pep, but you know, from, from the options that are out there, who do you see, who would you like to see if you were Daniel Levy right now and you love Tottenham, who would you want to come in and lead the charge on a project?
1: If I'm Daniel Levy, it's the worst day of my life, but
2: no hair, it's all gone.
1: Oh my gosh, I might shave. If I if I have it my way, I'm bringing in, I'm paying the money and I'm getting into Zerbi from Brighton. He's done it in the Prem. He's, it's, I watched an analysis video of them playing Liverpool and it was brilliant.
2: They like, looked so good in that game, the, too. The
1: box in the midfield just moving around the entire time, it's so simplistic but it's so difficult to master. And like I said, I love Pasta Coglu from Celtic. I think he's a great manager. I think he might be a little too... Um,
2: uh, might be out of his depth a little
1: bit. I don't know about out of his depth. I think a little too like ferocious, like a little too front foot for like the Premier League right now. It, for anyone that doesn't know, Pasta Coglu uh, was a part of the city group. So he kind of learned under pep from afar in China or Japan for a little bit. I think he's a fantastic uh, tactics wise. And he's made Cameron Carter Vickers, one of the best center backs in Scotland, which he always had some talent, but it's Cameron Carter Vickers. Uh, So I go with I I don't care. Throw. It's going to sound crazy, but if you want a manager for the next X amount of years, you go and throw 40 million at Brighton. Like, it, what's the difference between a manager and a, a Davinson Sanchez? Like for real, <laughs> go and grab Deserby and hit the ground running. Ian. Do you
2: think? Do you think Deserby would leave Brighton at this point?
1: Not in the middle of the season. Um, well, I,
2: let's let's say end of the season. Do you think he would be open to leaving?
1: Uh, I'd, I I think so. Like he he coached Shakhtar. They were in the Champions like multiple years in a row, dominating leagues. He he knows what it's like to win a league. I think Brighton's an awesome club and an awesome project, but I this is going to be a really weird take. I think Graham Potter's a great manager. I think Deserby is as well, but I think the the best part about Brighton is their scouting, like Matoma, three million for freaking yeah. Matoma, who's oh my gosh, he's so good.
2: Sato as well,
1: yeah, Kaiseido, and I don't think Evan Ferguson, like yeah, he's great but I don't think they're ever going to oxymoronic because we've never won anything in like the past 15 years. They're never going to reach the pinnacle. It's never going to happen. And if it's all about getting into the champions league and once that happens, that's awesome, but it's, it's never going to click at Brighton. Could it click at Tottenham? Probably not, but there's a higher potential.
2: Yeah, totally. Zach, what's your thoughts?
0: So um, I'm more so of the camp, you know, I'd want Conte to stay. I want to back him, but and that's not the question. Um, if he were to go, who would I want? Um, it's tough to say. I, I do think whoever we end up with, it has to be someone attacking or at least more attacking because this, the past three managers have not been. I, Conte has the ability if he you know those if he gets attacking wingbacks, but overall is it an attacking system? no um so I think there's kind of three people on my list um that I would kind of go for that I think feel could happen um probably two of them more likely than than the one. um first and foremost, I, I I'm not opposed to Mauricio Pochettino coming back. Um, I love Poch. Poch made me feel connected to the club in a way I've, you know, I was, I've never had before and haven't really experienced since. It was, there was just a pure love. I remember feeling so cold, even though in my head, I was like, this might be the right decision to let him go. I just, I was miserable that day. Um, But, is it too early? Is it the right, the best fit? I don't know. We know Potch is a project manager. I think that's what we need. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think if Conte was to go, I don't think it would be a horrible route. Uh, another name is um, Gallardo, Gallardo, however you pronounce it. I think he's, you know, attacking 101. You know, that that's the, again, that's what, if we aren't going to play defensive football and win trophies, at least let's not win trophies and play attacking football. Um, and another name that like it is available, um, I don't know, maybe Luis Enrique, um, you know, um, they played some good stuff at, you know, at Barcelona at, at times. And I don't know, again, I'm just kind of trying to think of like realistic managers. Um, who could play decent football with the squad that we have? I don't know. Those are the kind of three, but again, plenty of names that like Cooper has shot out there. You know, would I be opposed to any of them? No, because if we're at the point of letting go one of the best, at least in terms of like winning things, managers out there, it has to be for a change of style completely. It can't yeah. be just someone else who plays like, I'm sorry. Do not let Thomas Tuchel anywhere near this club. I, I thank you
2: for saying that. Oh, oh my I've God. been holding my breath. I was like, I swear to God, if the, somebody here says Thomas Tuchel, no. The thing there. is, did did
0: did Dortmund at times play good football under him? Short. Sure. Did Chelsea? God no. Chelsea were dog to watch. Did they win? Yes. Did they win a Champions League? Yes. But is it different to what we're playing now? No, it's it's literally switching out, you know, some, uh, uh, it's switching out a manager whose tactics that we don't really like and just putting a new fresh coat of paint on it and saying, oh, hey, look, it's something new. You know, when, when Levy came out with that message saying, we're going to return to attacking football, then hired Nuno and then hired Ponte I'm okay with Conte's given his CV. um, and I mean, his inter side scored a stupid amount of goals, stupid amount. um we've yet to seen those through those that sort of playing style come to fruition yet at Spurs. I'm hopeful that if we give him the support and backing and players that he needs, we can. um but if it if it's not meant to be, I don't know those are those are kind of three people I'm. They're kind of on my radar, but please no, Thomas Tuchel. I don't
2: know. Yeah. So, so you're very much on the Conte inside of things then like you would, if, if it were down to you end of the season comes around, you would like to see him stick around another season.
0: I, I think so. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think he's kind of at the moment. He's really only, I mean, he had a winter transfer window because um, he took over halfway and that, that was fantastic. And he's had one summer. Yeah. Um, and he always has said from the beginning that we're we're this is going to be a process. We there's a lot to fix here. And Potts spoke about it when he left. You know, there it's it's it needs a rebuild, a painful rebuild. And we didn't do that under Jose, didn't do that under Nuno. We've been adding some nice pieces of furniture to our house, but we've got to redecorate the walls. You know, it's it we need to change things up. Um, and I, I think if we keep adding Quality players like a Poro, you know, I think Dan Juma is a good option. Who knows? It could work out that he's fantastic. Um, great, but I think Poro is a player that is very much Conte wants from what we've seen. So I think if you back him and give him those type of players that he wants, I think we'll see more success from him. Um, so yeah, I I'd like to see him get backed and stay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then just to voice my opinion on this for the nth time, it feels like every episode I am very much potched in. I think now, I'll honestly, come summertime, I couldn't think of a better time to bring him back. Kubri said it before, we know that he's going to return at some point. He has unfinished business here. I think he. what he needs more than anything is what he didn't get. In his last term here, which is the backing, the backing that like Conte has been pushing for. I think there's a lot of managers out there that are fantastic managers that don't understand Tottenham, and they don't. They wouldn't be able to come in with Conte's ferocity to be like, we need to do all this. So they would just become another, you know, cog in the machine that just ends up being chewed up and spit out. I think Pochettino, for him to come back, he would need some major guarantees from the board. Conte walks. It's a sad day for Tottenham because of how incredible, how how incredible his CV is and how incredible of a manager he is. So if he walks, it's going to be tough. We would need, let's face it, just an easy win. And I think Pochettino, the passion, like you said, Zach, same. I think everybody can speak to like being a Tottenham fan under Pochettino was incredible. And to think about like even what he achieved, like getting us to the Champions League final nearly winning the league like if we look at that squad that was not a champions league final squad especially in comparison to the teams that were in there that was not a premier league winning squad and we almost did it I think we have some players right now especially in the likes of Decky and Benson and Romero who are special players like that Erickson feel about Benson Kerr, and just I mean hell even Decky I I think Decky is going to be better at his prime than delhi was at his prime under tottenham and i think pochettino we know his style of play we love his style of play he would come in with that passion he would need that backing it it would feel like a changing of the guard and be so amazing to just be like all right we can trust you to rebuild like arteta rebuilt arsenal there's that there's that connection arteta played for arsenal fans loved him obviously managed under Pep, like there was, there's this air about Arteta coming in and it didn't matter how they did for two seasons. And now look at how that's paying off. Poch gives me those same vibes for the comeback, for the way that he plays and for that connection to the club. I I couldn't think of a better time.
1: I'm going to play devil's advocate really quickly. Yeah. I loved Pochettino. I read his book. It was great. Ugh. It hurts to say it. I think it's too soon. You got eight, nine, ten players that were here with him that I don't want to say failed him, but they kind of gave up near the end. And we remember the last 12, yeah. 18 months of Pochettino. It was difficult to watch. And I, I, I think none of us are going to disagree that after that Sheffield draw, it was time to go for uh, Poch. I, I think it's a little too early. I'm afraid that, okay, sorry, Mourinho and Conte were very anti-Levy, anti-board in the media, and look where it's gotten them. We've gotten nowhere on that progress, so I'd argue that bringing in someone else that's going to be very anti-board is going to be not positive for us. My fear is that Pochettino is going to become a yes man to Levy again, and it's all going to kind of go downhill again. I'm also really afraid that Pochettino is going to want total control over everything. Like he's not going to want a director of football, and he's going to want just who who are we signing? Uh, who are we letting go? He's going to want absolute full control over that, and I think that's too much for one player uh a one uh manager and i think the thing about that is it's like look at some of the main signings he pushed for like indombele lacelso sanchez like i i'll I'll say he didn't have enough time with lacelso and indombele but that to me just proves he doesn't have the the greatest iq for it all but that's just my
2: yeah. Idea. I I would push back on that. Just right. I think the with with at least respect to Ndombele and Don So I think they fit what potter was trying to do. And like you said, didn't have the time with them. Tottenham already in a downward spiral because the players are failing. again
1: wait, he only had like three months with them. Yeah, like October, and,
0: and they were injured for a good amount of that.
1: November? No, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm disregarding that. They were they were fully healthy the entire time. It's all Poch's fault. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, I think, I think we saw the worst of Vendombele and LaCelso when they were playing in roles they weren't brought in for, like, that's, that's a, that's just a tough position to be in. Yeah, they haven't worked out at Tottenham, but you look at how we've played versus how Poch played. I, I think it's, I think it's harsh to say that. They, I think your, your overall point of being failed by the players, like that, that's my,
1: that's my biggest yeah. fear. Yeah.
2: And that's, and that's fair. And that's why I think like that goes up to the board because we went, what, 500 and something days without a signing? Like, 518, 509? Right after we made it to the Champions League final, too. Yeah, yeah. like, that's, that's unacceptable. You get to the Champions League final, you've nearly won the league, and we're going to go, right, why don't you just stick around? We were the first club in Premier League history to not sign anybody in a full year of transfers. Yeah. After doing all of that, I think the only way that he actually comes back at this stage, because you might be right, it might be too early because of the players that are still around, but I wouldn't trust anybody else more than Poch to clean house. Like, I think he would, in order for him to come back at this point, there would have to be guarantees from the board. There would have to be control given over. It might not even be a choice at that point because Peritici might be in jail. So he might have to do everything in the end anyway. But I think there, there isn't a manager that outright, I could be like, I automatically trust you to do the right thing for the club.
1: Yeah. And I
2: think he would come in and be like, okay, I'm back right Dare, Dyer, you failed me. Sanchez, you failed me. Get out, yeah. get out, get out. Everybody's gone. We're rebuilding from the start. It might take a couple of transfer windows. I I, I would happily give the reins to him. That's where I'm at.
0: I, I also want to add, uh, I mean, now granted, it might be like kind of backroom locker talk and there's nothing really confirmed, but like, I think some of the players who were really turning on Poch at that moment in time are now players who have gone. I don't think, cause like, I don't want to name names, but I, I do think um, so most of those players that I, I kind of remember at that time um, hearing reports that they weren't happy with Pochettino are now gone. So again, you know, but neither here nor there. It's nothing really confirmed. Um, but also to kind of caveat off of that, um, and not not trying to steer us from this conversation, but like if Poch does come back and Paratici does have to go away, he, he wouldn't come back. But like, would it be cool to get Paul Mitchell back?
1: I think that's a great shout. I I, I think They're that's besties, great. you yeah. know. I, I, I think see Paul Jesus Mitchell
2: is back too. Oh my god,
1: bring him, bring him home. I, I I think Paul Mitchell will not work with Daniel Levy again. I think no, that's I, the, yeah. the
0: I, I don't I don't think I don't think so either, but you know, just one could dream.
1: I, I think listen, I love Pochettino, and I think the the players. Kind of giving up on him. That's a big worry for me. I think the thing that excites me a little bit, and may I know excites Daniel Levy, is you have roughly a hundred and ten million pounds of players in Cessignon, in Dombele and Lacelso that were not good enough under or weren't given enough time under Pochettino, and potentially you could use those players, recoup some of those fees after a season of Pochettino if they do really well and maybe Poch can start again with them. I think that's going to be a turn on for Daniel Levy. I just if this was 2024 and we were having this conversation, I'd say, "Yep, sounds good. I I'm all in." But I think it's one year too early personally and I I don't know. I I almost want him to coach another team somewhere else, like maybe not like a Dortmund. I think Potsch would be great at Dortmund, like pop over there and get some more experience and then come back.
0: So for, for you, does he have to, is it just managing more or is it winning more? That's like really, it feels too early for you.
1: I think it feels too early because some of the players are still here. Fair enough. And who, who knows? Maybe in a year, Levy's gone. Maybe we sell. Like, That's I don't know. If, if I'm QSI and let's hypothetically say I buy out Tottenham, the first thing I do if we don't have a manager or we have an iffy manager, I bring back Pochettino. Easy way to get everyone on your side. And I'd be more confident in that just because slap Pochettino with $400 million in transfer fees and just be like, hey, go wild. The fans love you. It's going to take a little bit, but we trust you.
0: I will also add, I, I think, I think the Spurs board are scared to uh, release their earnings because I think we are going to be at a, I think those revenues are going to show that there's no reason we shouldn't be spending a good amount. And so I, I think maybe that's kind of why we're seeing moves sort of materialize because, um, there I I think there's no reason that Conte shouldn't be getting the backing that that he deserves because I, I think that's gonna be a very hard um I don't know hard pill to swallow for fans who already aren't fans of of Enoch if they see record setting revenues and it not being pumped into the squad. So I yeah, I, I don't think Enoch has any anywhere to hide in the, oh, we're just poor old little Todd and don't make money. They've made us a, a money revenue cash cow. And I think there's nowhere to hide. So whoever comes in, you would think would have to surely get money if someone were to come in.
1: Well, we've got seven more days of the transfer window at the time of recording this, six more. Uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the 25th, we've got some really really good uh prospects in poro potentially coming in maybe we make a late bid for screening r i don't know i almost feel like after dan juma if we get poro in there's one more maybe like an evan indica or something like that uh at the end but there's a lot to talk about we've got preston uh coming up in the fa cup hopefully we go full strength and we walk out of there with a victory because prem Clubs are dropping like flies uh, in the FA Cup, and I feel like that's actually a really good chance to win. Uh, a, another uh, bit of news is that uh, our UCL opponents, AC Milan, I believe they lost today to Lazio 4-0. And I don't know, that bodes well for the Champions League as well. But there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, we're on the up. It's going to be a tough end of February. Uh, And potentially end of January, but we will possibly be back with all of you uh, provided the transfer window ends and we hear from Don Fabio. uh, Hey, they promised us February 1st, we'd hear a statement from the club and we haven't heard anything yet. So we shall see. Uh, Ian, Zach, is there anything else that you'd like to add before
2: we go? Up the Spurs. Up the
0: spurs and also um hey a Dutch winger maybe making his debut against City. Maybe written in the I've stars.
1: Ooh. Oh <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But
0: but yeah, up the Spurs.
1: Up the Spurs. Thank you very much for listening. Uh friends. Uh you can find Ian at Ian underscore Arch on Twitter and Zach at the THFC, and my name is Cooper at an American Spur. Up the Spurs, we will talk to you all soon.